Here we go. It's time to shift our schools. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools podcast. Shifting Our Schools is created and produced by Jeff Udick and David Carpenter. Shifting Our Schools podcast is released under a Creative Commons 3.0 share like license. In other words, if you like what you hear, go ahead and use it. Yes. Okay, well, welcome to another Shifting Our Schools podcast, episode 30, as we discuss once again the recruiting season uh, for international schools. And how are you doing tonight, Mr. Carpenter? Hello there, Jeff. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I've uh, a little little bit under the weather, as we as we say. We've we've struggled here in uh, Casablanca with H1N1, and then another version of the flu that's just been really tough, and it's it's knocked my family out for a week, and I have just a little bit of it now. So I'm at home and uh, trying to stay healthy and prevent the spread. And of that, how are how are things there? Have you all had uh, any H1N1? Uh, we do actually. Infection. We actually. Uh, I, I don't know how many cases are in the school uh, thus far. This far, but an interesting technology piece of that is that we're trying to keep our community up on how many things, how many cases have been in our school. And uh, today mm. we found out uh, they've been tracking them now. Uh, we put all the numbers like at the different grade levels and such for each week. How many kids have been out each week with um, H1N1? And we put that into a Google spreadsheet. And then out of the Google spreadsheet, you can create, of course, like a, a, a chart, you know, a graph chart showing each week how many kids were out. But the cool part is, is you can then publish that chart and it gives you an embed, an image source embed code. And you can, and we embed that into our website. Um, and when you go, and then when you, whenever, it's really, it's really interesting because it's actually Im, image embed code. But mm-hmm. when you update when you update the source in the Google spreadsheet, it automatically changes the graphic. Mm. So I mean, you know, like I mean, the graphics one thing when it's inside of a inside of a spreadsheet, but this is like a graphic embedded on our school's webpage. So if you go to isb.ac.th, and then you click, there's a big green button. This is H1N1. There'll be a graphic that yeah. shows up, and that graphic is actually dynamic based on the information we're putting into a Google spreadsheet. So it was just one of those interesting things um, as a way we're trying to communicate with our community that we found a, a great use and we, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could actually embed that as an image graphic into your thing and make it dynamic still pulling from that spreadsheet. So that's that was something kind of cool we, we uh, worked on today. The one hold up with it is, and this is the biggest stickler, is it doesn't work in Internet Explorer. Oh. It works in every other yes. browser. It shows up in every browser but Internet Explorer. And you, I think it just shows how far Internet Explorer yes. is behind the times in trying to render yes. stuff like this. So, uh, but talking about other technologies, you're using a USB modem. You said tonight. I am, and, and I, as I was emailing you earlier, earlier worried um, our ASDL line something's gone wrong in the last 24 hours. So I, I went out and used uh, uh, recredited the modem account. You recredit it for 30 days at a time. 
Plus, we're going to be traveling the next two weeks, and I want to have access. Uh, but it's it's just flying. Uh, I'm hearing you very well, and you say you're, I'm coming through uh, very well, and it's and it's really inexpensive. Um, so that that's very exciting, and, and for all of us that need to be connected all the time, and uh, it's it's really working here. But you were just mentioning there in Bangkok, um, this is something that they're trying to push with the three G network. Yes. Yeah, and I think I think both of these shows, these are both great cases to how these developing nations that it's going to be mm. it's going to be this wireless type signal that is going yes. to be able to cover Thailand much faster than we can pull wires to places. I mean, the cell yes. tower, I mean, the country's already covered in cell, cell signals, and now all of a sudden mm-hmm. you can do data over a cell signal. We don't know how much it's going to cost yet. The price will come out in March. Um, but, you know, I mean, here you're sitting in Morocco. I'm sitting here, and we could be running over cellular Wi-Fi, basically, mm-hmm. which I think just shows the connected. I mean, we're so close to just having a global connection, you know, no matter where you go. And I think it just shows that with these two, um, these two developing nations, that that's the way they're going. And it is. It's a crystal clear connection. So, yeah, it's fantastic. So, uh, all right. Well, we're talking about the recruiting season today. And uh, there's a bunch of news to share, um, you know, just kind of my background. And then, and then, David, maybe you can give your background on the recruiting okay. season. Um, I've been overseas now. This is my eighth year. And I have gone recruiting – Tw- uh, three times total, um, and I've never lasted longer than three years in a school, <laughs> and that's been at my own. I haven't been kicked out of schools or anything, but um, so I have gone through the recruiting process quite a bit, uh, and so that that'll be the background that I'm bringing to this. And uh, just recently, we've had a lot of movement here at um, IS Bangkok, and I don't know if you know all of this, David, but I was appointed. I will next year will be moving from the elementary technology integration position to the high school uh, technology mm-hmm. integration position. So that was announced uh, early this week. And then Kim Cafino, just yesterday, it was announced it's going to Yokohama International School. So uh, mm. I was trying to get her on she, to talk about... Yeah, uh, what's she going to be doing there? What's, what's her role? They are going... Uh, they're starting their MYP program. And uh-huh. so they've hired her to come in as a middle school, high school technology integration person and to help to build mm-hmm. that curriculum within the MYP uh, as, because the MYP component has a technology class in it. So she'll be teaching middle school technology classes and also helping them to start to um, be an, integra- an integrative person in the middle school, high school, and supporting those teachers. So, so that's really exciting for Kim. We're, yes. we're totally we're so sad to lose her. Uh, but at mm. the same time, you know, it's a great opportunity for her and her husband to go to Japan, and they're very excited. So, so those are happening in our school. How about... Um, how many times have you been recruiting? How long have you been overseas? You've been overseas for quite a while. Long, long time. Uh, came over in 1990, the year of the Gulf War, and landed in Israel. And wasn't too much later that the the missiles were flying overhead, and the land war started uh, in Iraq, and that was kind of a baptism by not direct fire, but I guess <laughs> you know we had on our uh, we had on a gas mask every night. Um, it, was, it was interesting. I was just emailing with. My my buddy there, Brian Singapore. That's how we spent each of our evenings in a room that we taped all up uh, in case there was a gas attack. They weren't sure if they were going to use explosive charges or gas. So you would either the feeling was if you had to stay up, uh, the gas would rise up. You better seal yourself. And if they ever use explosives, all the buildings have bomb shelters. Uh, so you'd have to run downstairs. So that that's 
how I started and it was, I was with ISS. And in fact, that's where I met my wife, um, Margaret. We were at that recruiting fair in Boston and um, you, as we, we'll go over the, the timeline in a moment, but then it was like February. And we met each other and we, she was in New Jersey and I was in Virginia and uh, my family would still accept her even though she was a Yankee. And, uh, <laughs> we got together. Uh, did some traveling and then we went over early and went through the Greek Isles for about a month before we ended up. She was in Cyprus and I ended up there in Israel, as I said. But since then, we've worked with um, search and we've worked independently. Uh, but it's mainly been search or ISS or direct contact. So that's that's the avenues we follow. Okay. Uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about you know um, I think there's. It was interesting because we kind of had this conversation today as preparing for the podcast. And as we were having this conversation in the tech office, Dennis Harder and Kim and I, about you know the different ways uh, that, that you can go about and the different ways that technology is really changing the recruiting uh, landscape. So for those people that are um, maybe new to the international world, um, there are, why, don't we, why don't you go ahead and explain? Because I think you've had more contact with them than I have. But ISS and Search Associates, kind of what is their role? Yes. And what do you do when you go to a recruiting fair? Yes. Uh, and on that note, we'll get to the links of the week. We've got a couple blog posts. Uh, Amanda had one and I put up one like a year ago on this whole process. And we'll, we'll put those up on the uh, yeah. Show notes as well that follow, that kind of defines a lot of these steps. Uh, International School Services is based out of New Jersey. They've been around a real long time, and they're a very large organization and will often have these recruiting fairs that the numbers of schools are, I say large, it's been a while since I've been at one, 600, um, uh, I mean, I met schools, but 600 candidates at a recruitment fair, and they call them IRC's International Recruitment Conference. Um, and it used to be back in the 90s and previous to that, they were really just in the U.S., and they kind of picked up in February or so. But as the theme that Jeff and I will talk about, things are happening much faster now. Yeah. Well, the first um, one's here are January 5th now here yeah, in Bangkok. In Bangkok. And the other, the, the uh, other big competitor, and there are other ones out there as well, uh, his search associates, John McGonya started that when he was a director, been around a lot of schools. So he, uh, I don't know it in great depth, but it's like each person that's a part of search as an associate has their sphere of influence. And then you sign up with that person and you get, and it's much more, uh, it's explained to be more hand-holding, more connected to giving you a lot more personal service. But on the other hand, they just don't accept you. You have to apply to them, and they have to be able to determine whether you have the qualifications uh, that they're looking for to help place you. So it's a, it's a, it's a little bit different. Um, so th- those are the two. And then as we'll get into with the technology, more and more that's happening now are people are contacting schools directly. It used to be you'd send letters and print your resume and you mail them and you rarely get a response. Well, now we, we use uh, electronic portfolios and you send a, an email and, and you get folks to go to your portfolio where they can download your documents or see movies of yourself teaching or sound files or student work or whatever it might be in, in, in your portfolio. So that, that's kind of a snapshot. Yeah. I think the other one, too, a, a good place to go where I usually 
the thing about ISS and Search Associates is it's it's quite expensive, and I, I don't know the exact figures, but I want to say it's somewhere around three or four hundred dollars. Is that about right? Do you remember? Well, search, uh, search. I think they're both like for a candidate. It's just a couple hundred dollars. That it used to be six hundred, but now they've really pushed the fees over to the the schools. But not, you, I know you're going to go with this. It's the flight and the hotel and all that. But ooh, it's expensive. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, that's that's a big part of it. And um, so, I, I one of one of the places that I I usually send people for the first time is Thai Online. You know, mm, yeah, yeah. So Thai Online is pretty good. Thaionline dot com, just T I E mm-hmm. online dot com, uh, and that's a great place to go. I think I think it's thirty dollars, twenty nine ninety nine a year. Um, yes. And so that's a it's a thirty dollar, and it, they also give you just great information about how you know, kind of like what you said, the difference between ISS and Search Associates. Um, they kind of help walk you through, especially I, I find it really good for those that are first time overseas. And they most schools are also starting to post openings there. Um, usually yeah. with ISS and Search Associates, you have to pay the two or three hundred dollars to register with them to get to know even what schools are opening and what's going on. Um, with that, though, they give you much more information. On Thai Online, mm-hmm. uh, you basically just get, here's the school, here's the opening, here's the contact. Uh, through ISS or Search Associates, uh, International School Services or Search Associates, you'll also get, um, like, you'll get how much the pay is, how much you can save, mm-hmm. whether housing, what's the insurance. So there is more information there for sure. So, um, But, you know, Thai Online is a good place, I think, to start once you've decided and you want to commit to actually, you know, trying to find a job overseas. Those other two services are um, are very much. Now, what is your feeling as we move forward um, in the future with, with things like Skype? And you mentioned um, e-portfolios and mm-hmm. the way technology is changing the landscape. Do you think that these kind of large conferences, everybody flying to, say, Bangkok on January 5th this year, do you mm. think they still have a place in the recruiting process? What, what do you, how do you see them changing? Uh, I'll answer. Let me just throw in two more things. I forgot Iowa, the mm-hmm. university uh, out there. A lot of a lot of people, first timers, go there. Uh, that's another one you can go to. I think that's less expensive. Yeah, especially that's where I went. I can't America. believe I forgot that. That's where we went our first time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in in Tile Lines, I think it's good to. Uh, the second benefit is they put out a quarterly magazine, and you can get a PDF version. And you start reading about what's happening around uh, the schools around the world. That, this was all set up by Forrest Broman. He was our director, my director in Israel, my first job. And um, he's, he's very much a, a businessman and an educator. And, and that's just a, a good place to start to get information. And one quick thing on the timeline is I always say you start almost like a year in advance. Um, like how many times have you put your CV and you, you think it's good and you come back three days later and you read it again and you go, I need to I need to change that or oh that that director's moved to another school I, where did she move to uh, th- it just takes it takes time and you don't want to be stressed out waiting to September or October I, I would really start as early as possible especially if you're going to do your portfolio so right. so for the port the portfolio side of this and this is where I really w- would like to talk to some directors because I guess for me the the minimum that I think we get out of these portfolios is that even if the directors or individual principals only just take a glance at it, it shows something about us that that we're willing to put in the extra work. Clearly we have the skills to put these type of uh, sites together. Do we have any design sense? Are we good communicators? Um, uh, And it's it's an easy way for a school 
that let's say it's in the middle school and the, the principal's looking at it for him to share that with, with maybe the humanities department. Let's say you're applying for humanities department. You get away with all that paper being, all right, I need to print all five copies of this CV to hand out. And well, how, how does Jeff, when Jeff's integrating and how does, what's his philosophy about the tech integration process? Oh, he's got that up on his portfolio. It's all in one place. So it, it's, it's a real advantage, I think. What's, what's your thinking on it? Well, I think the the fairs serve a purpose uh, in that people still want to meet you face to face, and mm-hmm. we were talking about this today in the office. Is you know even with all the different ways that we can hold meetings now, you know with things like Skype and there's all kinds of programs out there, all kinds of meeting online programs, Illuminate. Um, that what we what we aren't seeing is there's no indication that business travel has been has gone down any, and mm. it, it it just we were just thinking about this in the office is how do you why would that why would that happen if if all the technology is in place to allow you to cut that expense why are we not seeing that expense cut mm-hmm. and uh, I think we kind of came to the understanding and, and I'll kind of throw this out there and see what you think. Uh, our under, our, what we were kind of bouncing around was the idea that there's still something being face to face with somebody, and there's an emotional mm-hmm. connection. And we know that ha- you know seventy percent of communication is nonverbal, right? It's the body language part, and there's still part of us as human beings that want that, that need that to say, "I know somebody." You know, my mm-hmm. wife is uh, very critical of all my online friends because. Because I have not met them in person, they're not real friends, you know. When, when she met Clarence Fisher for the first time, and Clarence and I have Skyped forever, and we've done a, a lot of stuff online and, and considered each other friends. But when we actually met physically for the first time, and my wife met Clarence, only then does she now consider him a real friend. So, but, you know, for a counselor, that's a very big thing. Like yeah, she wants to meet yeah, him. She where wants she's that. coming from. Right. And so as we started thinking about, you know, we started talking about this, that there's still this – we can do a lot of the back behind the scenes stuff online now. Mm-hmm. You know, we can do the paperwork, we can do the little negotiations over the wording of a contract. But when it comes time to sign that contract or when it comes time to sit down and and you know, if you're in the Middle East, it's sit down and have tea. Uh, if you're here mm. in Thailand, you know, when you weigh or bow your head to somebody, that just does not translate well over Skype. There is still that connection that needs to be made. And, and this goes right into why classrooms will always be there or why I feel like classrooms yeah. should always be there, right? Like there's a personal connection to the teacher-student or to three or four people getting together and doing a deal. And I think for that reason, something like these international fairs, I, I think they're going to change. I think, I think we're going to see a big change happen with them because I think a lot of what you were saying can be done ahead of time, right? Like here's, yeah. my, here's, the, here's the five people I want. I can download their resume. I can see their website. We can Skype and have three interviews, um, you know, and I can know who this person is. The fair is going to be nothing but shaking hands, final little this is this, this is that. Here's the contract. Sign the contract and, and be done with it. But all the mm-hmm. negotiations, I think, are going to be done behind the scenes. And I know some schools are already starting to really use that, and they're finding it, they're finding it a cost benefit, a cost benefit to actually fly the people into the school rather than fly their administrators out. You know, if you're a small, oh. if you're a small school and you only need four or five people, it's a lot easier to fly four or five people in than it is to send. You know, mm-hmm. your admin team to six of these big conferences all around the world to try to find those five people. 
But it's interesting because they still want to fly them into the school to have that last face-to-face, sign the contract, say congratulations, welcome to our school. So I think there's going to be something in that realm that's always going to be there. Um, Mm-hmm. But I think I think the the part of you know multi interviews, um, not knowing you not like you said not knowing who the head is or not knowing the principals, yeah. them not having some conversation with you whether it's via email via Skype something, I think that part of it is going to change in the recruiting fairs. Um, it, mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see over time as more and more schools start to leverage that stuff that the recruiting fair is basically a place to just meet. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, the, it, we talk about the the blended education model. It's a blended recruitment model. You're, yeah, you're exactly. talking about it, and, and it, and it makes sense. The more that we can do outside, gather our information, correspond, and and, and then, as you mentioned, have the uh, Skype sessions with with all parties that we can, and then you can come into that fair or potentially to the school. Boy, um, if you have kids, and that's a whole other discussion, that really. Can, can make such a big difference. For the uh, cost of all this, and then there's also the leadership cost. When your superintendent goes away for a month and a half and is not there, and, and the big schools have the deputies, and but that's a whole other job added on for them. Or if you're a smaller school that's already stretched administratively, that, that, that puts a lot of pressure on your school. So I, it will be interesting to see where the individual school take schools take this, right. but also where these uh, recruiting companies go with it, um, in, in realizing they they they're not going to just be able to continue to live by these conferences. They're going to have to get into the technology more and more, uh, and help and maybe provide those services to some degree because there'll be some schools where they're just they need that handholding to to get set up with Skype and and to, and to maybe get some practice sessions on how to interview. Like you said, it's going to be different when yep. someone's on your screen than in real life. Yeah. Um, now, uh, it was something that Justin brought up in our last um, uh, podcast that was really insightful, bringing the, the topic of having a family. And and you'll always hear when you recruit, we, we hear it again and again, we you can be really good, you can really be great, but it's got to be a fit for our school, our culture, all those different things. Yeah. And when you have children, uh, that's that's one more and probably the most important component is, are they going to fit into the, is the school going to provide the educational uh, needs, the emotional, uh, social, all that comes with being a young person? That's, that's a whole other part of it. So I'd be interested to hear a little bit in time, and we'll have to talk to, to our comrades as they come back from these recruitment fairs, the ones with children, how are those conversations coming along? I, I guess for us, because we, we have recruited the last couple of times through Skype and such, that wasn't the case. Uh, we, when we didn't get the job in Taiwan, uh, we were going to fly over. I wasn't able to go, so Margaret was able to go over, and she had it really helped with the transition uh, that that type of uh, experience being on the campus and bringing pictures back and things like that. Now, for for Kim, did uh, well, you know, we shouldn't maybe get too personal. I'm just wondering if some examples of other teachers at your school, how are they recruiting now? What are some, some tips or you've heard them say about their experiences so far this year. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, this was uh, another conversation. I think it's a good point to to kind of bring up is that, 
there's it's it's really interesting because we as much as we talk about that the schools are doing things differently i think as i think as uh recruitees we are going to have to be doing some things differently as well and we had this long conversation today because Kim did just move, uh, just signed, and it, it is public now uh, to Yokohama International School. She put it on Twitter and everything, so I'm not too worried about talking about it here. Um, okay. But a lot of that, a lot of it was done behind the scenes, and part of it was mm. is that if it didn't go through, she didn't want to go into her school and say, you know, oh by the way. So a lot of it was done kind of, you know, it wasn't behind the scenes as in sneaky, but it was all done via email. She did some Skype calls. They interviewed via Skype, but it was never really a public thing. Like she never went to her blog and said, we're done. We're recruiting anybody interested. Mm. Um, or she didn't go on Twitter and say, we're done. And we're inter- is anybody interested? So I think from a recruiting standpoint, you also have to understand the power of the tools and use them appropriately. And I think, that also becomes, you know, kind of, kind of tricky if you don't if you don't get uh, if you don't get the if you don't understand the tools. Like I I know that you know talking to Andy, Andy has had people try to apply for jobs at Shanghai American School by leaving a comment on his blog. Well, oh. you know that's that's not how you apply for a job. You know that's not how you get the right. voice of the deputy superintendent. Like there are there are things you have to go through. Um, you know, when I left Shanghai, I was very public about my leaving, but I had already turned in my resignation letter. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, there's, there's, it's almost a political thing and you have to kind of know, you know, you can be very vocal. Like when I left Shanghai, I turned in my resignation letter and then within three or four hours, it was posted on my blog that I was, I was recruiting, but you know, everybody knew. So if a, if another school wanted to call my debt, my, my head of school to talk about me, he knew that I was leaving. He was expecting those phone calls to come in, which is much different than if things are kind of happening behind the scenes. Um, it's not a real public conversation. Um, a lot of times you don't know if the head of another school does know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so can you contact them? So you really have to be careful. Uh, I think as somebody that's using these tools and somebody that goes recruiting, you also have to be careful in how you use the tools to, to keep those communication channels open. Because there are different ways mm-hmm. you can go about it. You can be very public and say, I'm free. I'm out here recruiting. Or it could be these things that are done kind of behind the scenes. So I don't know what's yeah. your take on that. Well, that's opening up a, a whole new – this is revolutionary, I guess, in so many ways. And I guess we have to kind of watch it a little bit and see where people go. Because on one hand, if, if you're not putting word out, clearly people don't know. And you're going to miss out on some opportunities. Um, uh, and so that would be the big thing that jumps out at me, uh, just not being ready to say I'm making that decision and I have a, a good-sized web presence and I'm going to get it out there and people are going to know. But then on the other hand, and I'm just guessing maybe someone like Kim, who is so well-known, so many people um, are connected to her, she could pick and choose, well, just like you could. Yeah. And you put out your feelers way early and start making contact so that you, you say, okay, here to schools I will start talking to in September and they want to talk and they want to talk to you but somebody's coming in calling in I'm, I'm adding Jeff uh, okay. from Beijing so okay but go ahead okay. excellent um, so, so that that just I can see the different directions you go in in, in, the, in the different situations but this dovetails into a, a blog post that you wrote I don't know how long ago it was 
I don't know if you directly meant it for this, but it was like branding yourself and promoting yourself in the way of making your, I don't know what the word was that you used, but, um, and, and then the big question I know you put out there was, do international recruiters, are they observant of this? Do they pick up on this guy or this gal or leaders in what they're doing and whether we're, we often are clearly talking about technology, but they're, they're big people in humanities and science that are bloggers and yeah. that are that are, are people you go, wow, that's a she's a leader. I want that science teacher. I've heard about what she's doing. So I remember you writing that post yeah. about that. You want to share a little bit about that? Well, well you can't. Uh, yeah, and I'll we'll put that link in because I, and I think there's quite a few. You know, I know Julie Lindsay has has blogged about this. I know Kim's blogged about this. You blogged about this. We'll make sure all those links. Are in the show yes. notes, but I would like to welcome uh, Jeff Plowman to the uh, podcast. How are you tonight, Jeff? I'm okay. Can you hear me, Jeff? I can hear you. You're coming through loud and clear. Why don't you give us a little? Okay. Uh, you, now you're in. You're at IS Beijing, correct? Yep. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm so, here tonight. Uh, why don't you just give us a little background about uh, who you are and what you do and why you're joining us? Yeah, um, I'm a science and technology facilitator in school at IS Beijing and. Uh, I'm also uh, kind of testing the water recruiting this year. Um, it's interesting um, because I've, I've been in a really good position here, but got my eye on maybe moving somewhere else. So I'm in the in that kind of limbo stage right now, of kind of having to come up against a contract line and maybe sign a contract here, or decide to leave and test the waters. So th- does your admin know that you're testing the waters? Yeah, they do, of course. Yeah, and see, and I, th- I you know, that kind of goes to our conversation. Is it's, you know, if your admin knows you're testing the waters, keep them in the loop, so it's not kind of this back. You know, they don't, they need to know that you're looking because if you do get a contract somewhere else, they need to know they've got a position to fill. And so, yeah, there's, for there's, sure, there's all the puzzle pieces. So along the same conversation about um, kind of uh, what David was talking about. A branding yourself and and you know having that web presence. Are you finding mm-hmm. that in testing the waters um, this year? Are you finding that to what's that what's that like as somebody that's out kind of looking for a job internationally right now? Um, you know, I, I've paid a lot of attention to it, um, and I, I've tried to. Um, I'm not consciously trying to market myself with with the things that I do, but. Um, I'm still kind of surprised at how few people actually kind of read the stuff um, I write and others write and some of the work that you do. I'm a bit surprised, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So you mean you mean administrators? How much are you administrators or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So, like, you know, um, we host we hosted this uh, TEDx conference here at IS. Beijing, which was a really, uh, which was a really neat, um, big successful event, but I haven't got a lot of feedback uh, from the recruiters on that yet. The people I've contacted. Mm, interesting. Yeah, and and it's a, it, it really is. It's an interesting kind of. Um, it's really interesting too because, I, as you said, Jeff, you know, it, you kind of can feel the waters now early, and whenever your contracts are due for your school and of course every school being independent that they're completely different um for here here for us in in bangkok our contracts aren't actually due until mid-january like january 20th or something like that 
But it, wow, it, that's it, really it, late. Yeah, I know. We're really <laughs> late, especially for Asia. We've got really late contracts. But it's an interesting, like you said, like you can feel the waters, right? Like you can, for a couple months, as jobs mm. are starting to open up. But mm-hmm. then come contract time, you know, you either sign back with your school or you have to say, no, I'm going to go somewhere else. And there is that there is that scariness of unsecurity if you do have <laughs> exactly. to. Exactly. And I think that's why, you know, a lot of teachers try to do that kind of feel the water thing because there is a there's an insecurity when you have resigned without knowing that you even have a job for the next year. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the ideal situation is a situation like Kim has, right, where you signed already and you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when are contracts due in Beijing? Um, contract signing um, was this week. It was actually yesterday. I got a short extension until the end of the week because I have a couple things cooking, but I've got to let them know by Friday. Oh, yeah. And how about you, David, at your school? It, it's tomorrow. Um, and, 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 Jeff, I think one of the things – uh, well, like for example, uh, if you were a conference creator and promoter, and you, and, you, and you did something that made a difference in the community, I, I, I don't expect administrators to to really know what we're doing out there. It's kind of funny. Jeff and I started this podcast in, in somewhat of a way to connect to uh, Ircos. Um, to to uh, that's where we met at a conference, and we said, why don't we do this podcast? And, Let's really get administrators to know what we're what we're talking about when we want to move shift these schools to a, a whole other type of learning of using technology and information. But I think what happens though is as you go out and test the waters, and if you do either have a portfolio or you have that site that uh, from the uh, conference, and it, it it will make you stand out, and it will be something that uh, because it's. On the web, so easy to share that 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 director can share. It. Let's say you were going for a middle school position. Right. Um, so I, I think it's going to be usable, and as time goes on, there's going to be more and more pressure. We hope in educators to say these are the kind of things that if you want to be at the, the top flight schools, you have to show leadership. You have to show that you've right. been to these conferences and maybe uh, created some artifacts that are up at those conferences. I just think it's going to make people stand out above the pack for sure. Well, and I know, I mean, uh, I know that, you know, there are more and more schools that are going one-to-one and the more and more schools that are going one-to-one specifically in middle schools, high schools, they're really looking for teachers who have those skills so they don't have to constantly yeah. be retraining. Um, you know, that's one thing that I've, I've mm-hmm. talked with Andy about. And he's actually – because Shanghai American School just went one-to-one this year. And that's one of the things he's really concerned about going recruiting is that you, you, to move your school forward, you've got to expect that the teachers you're bringing in have a certain skill set. So then as a school, mm-hmm. you can move forward. And you can't constantly be having the same tech – you know, the same tech conversation of this is a browser, this is a back button. Like we've got to move on. Exactly. You know, we've got to move to that next place. But are those teachers out there? And that's something that it'll be interesting to see this recruiting season because you know Shanghai American School just went one to one. You know Taipei is already one to one. Um, Hong mm-hmm. Kong International School just went one to one. Jakarta is thinking of going one to one. KL just went one to one last year. Like there's a lot of school, and those are just the big ones. I mean NIST has been one to one here uh, in Bangkok for quite a while. You know these schools mm-hmm. are going to be expecting. The more schools that kind of have that are going to be expecting teachers to come with a certain skill set. And I just don't know. I, you know, for the last two years, I've written interview questions for administrators to try to find those people to get to the root of of those people, and we'll put those in the, in the show links as well. Um, and I just don't know if 
if that's happening. And I don't know if there's, yeah. if there's enough teachers. If teachers are coming, if teachers are understanding, they need to have that skill set as well. I don't know. I think, that's, I mean, the main thing that I think about is that it's all about connecting, right? Yeah. You're connecting the, the right person who has the skills with the job. And that's uh, that still takes a lot of work um, from uh, recruiters, uh, from the person who's recruiting side. Um, I, I just wanted to ask a question and get back to that, that thing you mentioned about the contract deadlines. We've seen a lot of shift in the contract deadlines in the big schools in, in, in China. Um, and I just wonder where that's all going to go. Like, what's going to happen with that in the future? Because we've been, we've seen schools even move up until like the first December now. Wow. Um, so, like, how far back are those contract deadlines going to go? And and is recruiting going to become more of a year-round thing? I wonder. Yeah, and mm. I, I think that's a that's a good point. I mean, I've you know just I've only been overseas eight years, and and where I've seen them go. So like you said, you know, like we're, you know, mid mid December, first of December, and you have to let people know. Well, my gosh, I don't even have my first quarter, first semester grades aren't done, and I have to tell you whether or not exactly. I'm coming back. Like, yeah, it's a it, it's a really interesting kind of dilemma. And of course, the problem is, is that school, you know, one school makes it closer so that they know who they need to go re- recruit for. Every other school has to kind of keep theirs so they know who they have to recruit for because everybody wants those top notch teachers, and uh, they're some of the first to go, and, and they're just bargaining for them. I think the other thing to to remember too is that for so many of these schools, and I don't know how administrators do it, but it is such a puzzle between getting the the right couple and then you know the singles and the couples that are educators and then all the internal transfers that have to happen um it's just like the internal transfers are just starting to filter in through bangkok right now you know there's a job position here oh this person's moving from there to there this person's moving from here to here um you know the high school position was open um i applied for the high school job i got the high school job so now it's the elementary job that's open you know i mean it's just this it's, it's this constant juggling act and administrators when they're going out i, I think it's it's important to make sure that we all understand that that you know they might really really want you but there's just not a place yeah. for and i mean mm-hmm. and we're we're getting to be that way you know my wife's a counselor an elementary middle school counselor and so when we go to a school if they don't have a counseling and a tech position it becomes very difficult you know to to figure out how that that fit comes and and with two specialists like that it becomes it becomes harder. My wife loved it better when I was just an elementary classroom teacher because I yeah. go into a recruiting room. They tell me to go eat the cookies yeah. and coffee in the corner, and they'd interview her because they needed a counselor. And an elementary teacher will teach any grade, right? So, yes. it, yeah, it is. A, it is that, a, that's a biggie. Yeah. Well, let me let me broach a, a topic, and Jeff, I'm not just because you're in China. I'm gonna make a leap. Um, we were talking right before the show. And I've been reading a lot online about so many small schools, especially in China, that have just sprouted up in the last, I don't know, five years or so. And when I go to like the international international school, I can't remember the name of the site where people put reviews up about schools, you read a lot of tough stories about people that were recruited to second, third tier um, schools. And I've, I've really faced difficult times. And so here we're, we're talking about the the well-known schools, the schools you know, you can trust, and it's gonna, it's gonna work out. Um, but in China, or the last time you reviewed, did you run into many um, uh, of these schools you'd never heard of? And and I wonder what their pitch was, because th- this whole process is making everyone have to be more competitive. 
because uh, because the you know, supply of teachers yeah. out there is, is is tough to get get enough, and then get ones you can really count on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm within, within the last. Well, th- I'm in my fifth year now in the International School of Beijing, and had tremendous development around our campus, which is up near the airport. If you've ever been into Beijing, but it's, it's mm-hmm. far from the city. And there's just been so much development going on out here, including um, two brand new schools built within, you know, a stone of our of our building, like directly across the road. And uh, yeah, I mean, the pace of change here is so fast that it, it's very difficult to find um, teachers, but also non-staff as well. I mean, we find uh, a lot of our support staff you know, maybe being pushed to go to other places. So that's partic- that's difficult, particularly on the ICT side, because um, we train some people up and then they can take positions in other places. But um, for me personally, I, I tend to do my research, right? So um, I, I've been around for a little while. So I, I think it's really important for people to, to remember that no matter what yeah. someone tells you, they've always got a slant in the Right, exactly. and and you need to kind of fish your way through that and get to the bottom of, all right, who can answer my questions honestly, and you know I, I look for those people who I can ask particular questions about, um, and, and it it may not be the same questions to the same person at the same school if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, like I might I might ask um, Jeff for example about the technology situation at Bangkok, but. Um, I know Jeff does have children, and I do, so I'd, I'd want to find someone else there to ask about, you know, what's it like for kids and what's it like yeah. living with kids and, and things like that. So yeah. I tend to I tend to do my homework and try to find out as much as I possibly can. Maybe too much, you know, because here I am trying to decide, you know, should I stay, should I go, you know, <laughs> it's, it's that limbo time. Well, I think that's a great point. I mean, and, and and that's another thing that the technology allows us to do, right, is you, you can do the searches on the Internet. You can find the, you know, and schools are getting much better, I think, um, of of really trying to get as much information on the web about what their school is about. Um, mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. If you can find a connection at that school to get, you know, it's the same thing like we talk about with kids, right? Kids on Facebook that are going off to universities, they can now connect in with kids actually at that university. You know, mm-hmm. through Facebook or yeah. whatever, and get and understand what is life like actually there. And it'll be interesting to see as as as, rec- as recruitees go out. Um, are they using those same those same kind of connections? Like, sure, you know, I I am thinking of this school. You know, but what do I know about this school? What can I find online? Is there some way I can connect with somebody at that school to ask more questions to? Um, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of great smaller schools around for sure. But then there's also some that. Man, you really need to do your homework on and, and make sure that uh, the pay is going to be there, uh, that you know, you're going to have the insurance. What's the housing situation like? Uh, so it, it really does, does you well to do your insurance for sure. It's amazing once you get into your first school, though, what it does to your whole recruiting network. I mean, yeah. like that, that very first school is key. I mean, yeah. just build relationships because people leave and go elsewhere and, and – your network goes from there. Um, the best thing is to know someone. 
Yeah, and don't burn any bridge because you never know. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you just never know when you're going to be called on some, on somebody for something or end up back at a school that you work with somebody. Um, mm. I'd like to focus a little bit more on the on the IT recruiting side of things. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I had a uh, I went into my interview for the high school position, um, and then uh, it was really I had a really good. After I was offered the job and accepted the job, had a really good talk with the high school principal uh, and the IT director, and then the IB, um, our IB, our head of IB programs, are the three people that um, that uh, interviewed me. And it was really interesting because we had a really good talk on what they were looking for and what they were looking for when they go recruiting. And I think mm. there, there's you know a couple different things when you're in interviews, things to kind of touch on or things to keep in mind. And uh, you know we can kind of take this from a technology end because that's what I'm most familiar with right now. Um, but then we mm. can even talk about how this might affect you know David, how it might affect humanities um, or Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, you teach science as well. You said I teach science and I'm a tech facilitator, but right. I'm recruiting for tech. Okay. Um, so I, the, the four kind of main, main ideas that came out of uh, you know, the, the debrief were that they were looking for four main areas. And I think these four main areas are very good. And even if you're recruiting with somebody and they're not looking for these, if you can touch on these somewhere in the, in the conversation, I think it, would, you know, I think it does nothing but, but help your, your cause. And so the four areas that they were really looking at, and, and this, again, is specific for technology, but, and I, I truly believe that these four um, need to be hit in every interview when you're looking at tech integration or, or that kind of position. But the first and foremost is a personality that as a, tech, as a tech person, as a tech integrationist that is working with teachers, trying to get into the classroom with teachers, you have to be personable. You have to be somebody people like. You have to be funny. You have to be willing to bend over backwards. You have to be social because you have to build those relationships. If you don't build the relationships with teachers, and it's not with kids. Most of the time we're helping teachers. So you have to be able to have those peer relationships that allow you to work well with people. Um, and I think that beyond the technical skills and anything else, if you've got to be a personal person, people have to like you. Um, the second, the second kind of overarching idea is just the technological skill. And when you're in an IT position, the funny part is I think that one is probably the one you need to know least about because, as we know, the technology is constantly changing, and you can learn that. You know, you come into yes. a school, you can learn the email system, you can learn, you know, Power School or Admin Plus or whatever the system is. And and as a as a technology integration person, you can learn the technical side of things. This is how we do it at this school. So it's good to have some knowledge there. But at the same time, understand that you have a, a, a learning curve no matter where you're going to go. Uh, as part of my interview, the big question was PowerSchool. And I've never used PowerSchool because I was in elementary. And in elementary, we take attendance with PowerSchool. We don't use it for grades and keeping track of kids and doing all that. That's going to be my learning curve. And I know that going to, to the high school. I've got a lot of other skills, a lot of other technical skills, but I don't have that one that I have to learn. So understanding that you know, you're constantly in learning and willing to learn and put in the time to learn new programs, I think is very important. Um, the third thing is is a, a have an understanding of your pedagogy when it comes to technology. Um, as a technology integration person, I, I don't care if you're you don't need to worry about if you're right or wrong as long as you believe in what you believe. Because there's going to be a school out there that is going to hopefully believe with you, and hopefully you have have a sound pedagogy. But you know, I've always said this is what I believe. This is what I believe technology can do for kids. This is what I believe technology can do for learning. I might be completely wrong, and I might be barking up the complete wrong tree. 
but this is what I believe. This is what I'm passionate about. And if you want somebody that mm-hmm. believes in this, then, then then this is the person for you. And so I think just having a, having don't having a strong pedagogy on your on your side of understanding what it is you believe in. And, and I think that goes for anything. I, I don't think that's just a technology thing, but you've got to have a pedagogy you can believe in and don't try to answer the question that you think they want to hear. Because then there's yeah. going to be there's going to be a misconception a mismatch even when you go, when you get to that school. So have a pedagogy you believe in. And the last one is and this is an interesting one. And I hadn't really thought about this one before, but um, the fourth kind of pillar, if you will, is is having a vision. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, administrators want to know how do you see the future, especially as an educational technology person. You know, where do you see our school in three years? Where do you see yourself in five years? Have a vision for yourself or for your school on where you want that school to be. You know, as a technology person, you're going to have to do some research. Where is that school at? Are they one to one? Are they thinking of going one to one? What kind of platform do they have? What can I bring to this school as they start hitting some of their initiatives? Um, you know, and see if you can get some of that information ahead of time. If you can, I think it'll help you in an interview. So, th- so to me, if you're an, if you're looking for a technology, I think those are four things that you can hit on. Uh, and if you can keep your answers or questions around those four things, so personality, technological skill, pedagogy, and vision. And so, I'll just throw mm-hmm. those out there to uh, Jeff. I'll start with you, and then David, if you want to chime in about maybe some other things or things maybe even for your position mm-hmm. that, that might fit in there. So, Jeff, how about you? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, you know one of the things that resonated with me most, most about what you said was the, the vision piece. I think um, I found from my experience uh, as a technology facilitator that um, we're, you're kind of seen as a bit a bit of the expert, right? When you're with your administrator, your administrator depends on you to kind of sort out the things that are going to work, to sort out those things and that you think are exciting, and find out how they can fit. And uh, oh, we just dropped his connection. <laughs> How about you, Dave? He was doing pretty well. Yeah, he was. I'll, uh, right. Especially for being in Bhutan. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Holy I'll see cow. if I can get him back. Why don't you uh, him get a start, and I'll see if I can get him back. Yeah, I'll just I'll shift it a little bit to to the humanities side. Even though uh, I'm totally on board as an instructional technologist, just as just as if I was applying for that same position. Yeah, they all make a lot of sense. Um, the big, the big thing that as a teacher, all those come into play. I really like to see us talk to all of our various teachers of disciplines to talk about their vision. Where, where is science education going? Where is math education going? And one, I guess I would add it on with the tech skills. I would add the information skills. Um, that would be my big push. That so much of what you well, what I used to do and what you do is is we we empower kids, we help kids um, with our librarians know where to find information, and then on the tech side we help them construct their their learning into a, their meaning, what mean what it means to them, and then how to communicate that. So I would really add, where do you stand with information? I think like in history, for example. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, Jeff's going to pop back in. All right. With 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 history, I think I'm hoping that across the board, te- that that directors out there and principals are not looking for the the history teachers that that are the fountain of knowledge that can stand in front of the room and remember all the details of of what happened with Reconstruction in American history, but they can stand there and and move into the pedagogy 
and how they're going to empower kids to gather information and make discoveries. And then, and I really think, is especially in history, I think I've said it before on the podcast, you, you've got to make connections to your life and you've got to make connections to other uh, times in, in history. So I guess the more expansive a person is, that they're, they're not letting whatever their role used to be contain them, that they're saying, no matter what I do, uh, whatever my teaching role is, I'm, I'm constantly looking forward. And, and, and as you were just saying with the, the skills, I'm, I'm a learner at all times. I'm, I'm learning in this field and in any other fields that are going to help me be a better teacher. Jeff, you were talking about the vision before the dragon of uh, China. <laughs> gotcha. Um, you want to go ahead and exactly. finish those thoughts? Yeah, just uh, thinking that you know that vision piece is really important because uh, in a technology position, especially as a facilitator or a coordinator, um, you're really kind of looked at as a bit of the expert to bring those things in that your admin may not understand um, and kind of make recommendations on policy. And, and the way things are going to move at whatever division you're at. So I think it's important that you can articulate that really well. Yeah, oh, I agree. I agree. Yes. Uh, anything else we want to talk about, or should we go to our links of the week? Yeah, how about, how about a quick uh, question of this? Sure. Um, I'm recruiting with a non-teaching spouse and, uh, and a family with kids. Um, so that, that adds... Uh, bit of a difficult situation to the mix um, about schools that have policies for recruiting couples or take a, a, a certain number of dependents. So that's another thing that I'm running up against. I don't know if other people have thoughts on that. Um, I, I don't have insights or I'm not, I guess I'm not really looking for any recommendations, but um, it, it's just a, a, another angle that um, as I've gone through this with different schools and talked about my situation, I totally understand what you said about the puzzle. I mean, yeah. I, I come up, I come up to that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and and you have people, you know, you have people do that. You're our guy, you know, and uh, it, it it just doesn't fit. And and that's that's hard to hear yeah. after a while. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, but, I hear you. But uh, you know, you got to develop thick skin in the business, right? Yeah. And you got to think that something's going to work out. So. Yeah. And I agree, and I think you know it's it's. Under, I mean, you've been overseas enough, right? You we yeah, understand yeah. we understand the hierarchy of it, right? Like teaching couples are the golden, mm-hmm. you know, teaching couples with no kids, um, mm-hmm. and basically that's because in most international schools, for those of you that don't know, most international schools, if you were hired as a teaching couple or even as a single with a dependent, the dependent usually goes to that school tuition free, which is a huge benefit if you have. If you have if you have kids, I mean, you're talking, you know, here here in Bangkok, that's twenty that's a twenty thousand dollar a year bonus per kid, you know, if mm-hmm. if you get hired as a couple. So there's you know teaching couples with no kids um, because then those slots can be filled by actual paying customers. So they're they're kind of the top mm-hmm. tier. And then you have you know a couple with kids um, because you're still getting two you're getting two people you know two employees. Uh, it only costs you one house, and you might have to give up a spot or two um, in you you know, for, for their kids to go to school. And then it kind of comes down to the singles. And then you have, you know, the singles that are just with no dependents and singles with dependents. And that's kind of where, where you're hitting, me. Jeff. You know, and, that's, <laughs> and it's tough, you're right, you know, because it's, yeah, yeah. they're going to get one teacher 
but they're going to have to, you know, your kids are, your kids need to go to school and, mm-hmm. you know, there's all the insurance on top of it, which usually some schools will pay for dependent insurance. Some schools will take mm-hmm. that out of your pay. I, there's just so many things to be thinking about. And it's, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, Jeff, yeah, it's, I can't imagine. <laughs> it's got to be tough. Uh, And again, it's going to be that fit, right? There's going to be a school that's going to say, you are, you're the guy we want and we are willing to accept, you know, you, your wife and your kids. And that's, that's going to be part of the package. And that's just the way it goes. But uh, I think it does, you have to understand that, I think a bit. I think it comes back to what we were saying earlier, flexibility, um, Jeff, that for you and your wife as two specialists, like uh, my wife's a librarian and she's a history teacher and a curriculum person too, but that she's really uh, presenting herself as a librarian and, and a social studies teacher now. But for me, I've put out on like four different hats uh, to be as flexible as I can. And I, I like being a counselor. I'm a counselor and a history teacher and a curriculum designer and an yeah. IT person. I think the more uh, Jeff in China, that you, you're you putting yourself out as that science person and Moroccan connections uh, going on. Those are two. I'll stop there if it's not coming through. No, now now it's coming through. Of course, it always comes through right when you stop. <laughs> now it's coming through. All right. Just but bottom line is just that flexibility for different positions. I think that. That says a lot because we all have to be flexible living overseas in the first place. You, you, you can't come from your home country into your first job and expect it to be like life back in New Zealand or Great Britain. You're coming overseas because it's going to be different, and you've just got to be ready to, to roll, with, roll with the changes. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. And then you know, there's uh, the, the thing is also then like you advance in your career and you want to move into sort of different directions. You can kind of find it difficult sometimes um, because if you, if all if most of your career has been spent as a as a as a science teacher, like an IB science teacher, for example, it's uh, it's difficult to move. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to get a bit of uh, technology integration real time um, at my school. Um, I've been able to work with that, and I think that's kind of building up with with experience and things in that position like as I try to move toward a full tech or data position you know eventually my career will start like a ICT director somewhere um, it, it can it become considerably more difficult right because you're kind of going against that flexibility you're saying I you know I could go here there's loads of biology positions open but I'm choosing only to look for tech right now so. And that's the same thing. Like, you know, my wife and I, um, it finally came down to that last year when we came to IS, IS Bangkok, that there wasn't a job for her, you know, and that uh, the technology job was for me and she didn't work last year. And then luckily enough, um, you know, somebody was looking down on us because a counseling job opened up and she applied and, and you know, got the job. So we, we were really lucky that way. Um, but you're right. You know, it, it becomes harder when, the, when you're starting to look for specific roles, um, and, mm-hmm. and that doesn't matter if you're single or, or, or married. I mean, it, it, if you want something, I mean, my counselor, my, my wife, my counselor, she's my counselor too. But <laughs> my wife, you know, it's another perfect example. There are years, and I think this is something else that's really interesting, is that there are years when 
you know, I swear every counselor is moving internationally. Yes. And you get those years where you're just like, man, there are jobs. I mean, last year, we weren't recruiting last year, but we were just keeping tabs on what was open. And I think at one point last year, there was like 58 counseling positions open. I was just yeah. looking, I was looking at my wife like my gosh the, like this is the year to go recruiting for counselors like every counselor must have moved last year which probably means this year there won't be very many and so it's trying mm-hmm. to you know it's trying to hit that balance of when when is the big move in whatever your you know special area is and can you yeah. hit it and put yourself out there and you know and last year wasn't a big exact. tech move and I don't know this year I haven't seen a lot of a lot of tech stuff come open yet so it'll be interesting to see yeah exactly like what I'm dealing with you know yeah. right now is that my deadline uh, has passed, but I'm, I'm coming up on my deadline. Yeah. You know, it, it, uh, you got to take a look. You got to say, what do I think it's going to be? And like at this moment, I, you know, it seems like a lot of things are moving and there's a lot of momentum. And I'm just interested in what you guys think about the tech landscape this year for because um, I think a lot of people are hiring integrators right now. Yeah. Um, and you know, as, a, as a lot of schools start to become visible with their sort of 21st century skills curricula and like that, I think integrators are being sought after. So I, I like your take on that. Like, do you think you know, this year is going to be a good year? Do you think next year is going to be the big year? You know, they do have it well. Yeah, I, I don't know. Personally, I don't know if there's going to be a big year. You know, talking to the admin at Iracos, um and talking to the admin at ECIS in the European region last year at conferences, um, I don't see there being like a year of the integration list, but I do see there, be, like, like you said, Jeff, I think over the next, I'm going to say over the next four years, we're just going to continually see jobs added at schools. You know, as schools go one to one, as schools start thinking about going one to one, they'll put that in- integrator in place maybe uh, uh, the year before they go one to one. You know, that that's the situation that Kim is in going to Yokohama is that they're they're implementing a one to one, and so they know they need to bring somebody in to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think you're going to have a lot of those situations at both uh, large schools and small schools. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I I still stick even talking to administrators. I still stick to my deadline of 2012. I said this last year. I think by 2012 there's going to be a very clear line in the sand between those schools that have gone one-to-one, have adopted the new this new era of technology and, and technology as a tool and everything it can do for learning, and those that have, have said that we're not. I think 2012, you'll really see, you know, you'll have green schools and red schools and not a lot of yellow schools. Right now, I think there's a lot of yellow schools that over the next the next two years, two, three school years, we're going to see a lot of a lot of that movement um, and a lot of those jobs open up. So, I, I you know, I, and... Honestly, that's that's what I feel. I feel over the next three years, we're just going to see more and more integration positions um, open up. What what I what I wonder about is how many of those will open up to external applicants, and how many of those are schools trying to, you know, they've got a tech savvy teacher uh, that that is at their school that wants to move into a role like that and they're hiring those internally that's the part i don't know about yet is is there enough tech tech savvy teachers that want to move into an integration role within their own school that that might fill some of that gap that i don't have a, i don't have a, a clear picture of but, but that's my take on the landscape yeah, yeah, and in that wave is moving is moving west. It's moving towards Europe, and, and so Asia, you're in the you're in the right place, Jeff. Um, whether I think it will will be tied as so much is to the hardware, and that's not what we're about. But as those one to one programs get going, as you're pointing out, 
those administrators put their rears on the line. That's huge bucks. It, it, if it isn't handled well, and it can blow up in your face. And so the more that whether you're working half uh, science, half technology, Jeff, right now, and your school has some type of laptop presence, maybe just have the cows going around, but um, you're getting that experience. And when that next school is looking for someone and, and they see that you also have science experience, you say, I'll come in and, and teach a biology class, but let me do these other things. Uh, I think it's going to open up some doors. And then uh, later is Europe. We've got some places like Prague that are real leaders with John Micton there, um, but I'm sure they're putting pressure. Other schools are seeing, hey, they're going one-to-one -one and we need to catch up with them too. So I think it's a good landscape right now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. And I'm glad the yeah. uh, the dragon of, of China only <laughs> only got us once tonight. That's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't bad, was it? We'll try it again sometime. How's, how's the weather up in Beijing? It's starting to get pretty cold? Oh yeah, it's pretty cold. It's uh, probably about uh, minus, uh, maybe minus three or four right now. But you know, as we got a sky over our head tonight, I can actually see some stars. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and that's rare. <laughs> that, that's a good. I I still remember. I saw the moon seven times in Shanghai. It was easy to count in three years. I tell you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, hey, Jeff. thanks, Jeff. We'll talk to you later. Good luck on the recruiting. Cheers. All right, David, uh, links of the week. Yeah, man, I've, I've got one. Uh, and it, it's a neat way to celebrate a teacher I worked with in Taiwan. She put a portfolio together using Weebly. I don't know if you've used Weebly as a oh, website know. construction tool. And I, I don't know the origins of it. might have been some college students. Uh, but it's a drag and, drag and drop uh, website creation tool. Um, and, and so my wife and I, that's where we have have um, our electronic portfolios and our friend Panda uh, put hers together and so that's the one I'm going to share it's andreasmith.weebly.com so it's her electronic portfolio and what was kind of neat in our our standards driven world is she built one of her pages showing uh, learning evidence of her kids meeting the standards and I just thought that was an interesting and creative angle uh, to demonstrate what she's doing in her classroom. What was that address so again? What was up. her name? Shared through our Digo as well. Okay. What was her name? I was just wanted to check out these sites. Uh, 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 Andrea Smith. So it's no www. It's just right. double slash andreasmith.weebly.com. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. A free website, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very easy. Drag and drop, put things, and, and you can upload documents and uh, other files, videos. Yeah, oh, what a quick and easy way to just make a little portfolio on the fly, huh? Yeah, man. Hmm. Very cool. Oh, she even has Shifting Our Schools podcast under uh, websites, blog articles, and podcasts that she listens to. Look at that. Well, that's always a good little. This is a good little plug. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> That's good. Well, so what do you have? Um, I've got two. Uh, the first one is this thing called Twitter Times. Have Have you seen this? You, uh, no. It's, it's uh, Twitter Times. I'll put it in the chat room as well. So it's Twitter. Uh, let me get back to the link. This thing, I've just – Kim Dennis and I, this is all we talk about now in, in the office. So it's Twitter Times, but it's T-W-I-T-T-E-R-T-I-M dot E-S. 
So it's okay. – and so you do – and then you, you basically it's, – it's ingenious. I love it. So you, you take your Twitter account. You sign up with your Twitter account. And what it does is it looks at all the people that you follow. And it starts to look at the links because there are so many links, so many web links that are being shared in Twitter. And it starts to prioritize mm-hmm. them for you. And it gives it in this just kind of cool little newspaper layout like the New York Times, so the Twitter Times, um, of basically what's the hottest thing being talked about within your, twi- within your Twitter feed. Now, if you have – I mean, it, and it's going to depend on how many followers you have. I mean, I, I'm up there somewhere around 4,000, I think, or right around 4,000 um, people that I follow. So I've got this huge base to, to get content out of. And so, of course, I can't keep up with the Twitter stream of all the good things that are being shared. And so this website basically mm-hmm. does the aggregation for me. And it's saying, look, right now the top thing that people are Twittering about that are following me so that's specific to my Twitter stream. And like right now, you know, right now on my page I'm looking at you know, the top Twitter trends of 2009, the most popular free Mac downloads of 2009, um, the stunning growth of social networks by Steve Hargadon. You know, I mean it's just – it's amazing. The, and it just – you just hit refresh and it's constantly picking those up and it's got like you, the top news history of the things that have been the top news. And it's just a, an amazing way to aggregate the data out of um, – out of Twitter and, and shows it in a very nice, simple way to just kind of figure out what's what the conversation is. So that's one. Um, and then the mm-hmm. other one, which I found out of twi- the Twitter Times, is a great blog post by the in- uh, innovator, innovative educator. And the blog post um, was blogged on this last Monday, but it's called Fix Boring Schools, Not Kids Who Are Boring. <laughs> it really looks like – it looks at a uh, – it's a, it's a fantastically written – uh, post and I'll, I'll put it in the in the chat room as well. But basically, he's talking about how the schools uh, are broken. And he's talking about that they found an about page and and it's called the best in, the best about page uh, about me page on a blog. And so he went and looked at it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the CEO of Applejet, which is the company that created the Etherpad, who just now got bought by Google for ten million dollars. So here oh. you have the CEO of you know a, a big company. Uh, a big startup technology company, and the about page is basically a, a picture of him when he was like seven years old playing on a computer. And the the best part is is that he he talks about that um, the the guy's name is Aaron, but he talks about this report, and he actually has scanned that he was a, he was a hyperactive kid in school, um, and so they did a, a psychologist report on him. Um, to because he he couldn't sit still in school and you know school was just boring mm-hmm. for him and it's hilarious because he he's actually scanned part of the report he got when he was seven and this is what it says it says Aaron is a multiple problem child still very impulsive and under socialized and not able to harness the constant energy discharge obvi- <laughs> um, observed in young children at the moment he faces significant psychological problems because of his inability to see and accept boundaries his regress and playful attitude towards all school learning will make academic progress very difficult he needs to see a psychotherapy he needs to be seen in psychotherapy to address these developmental delays so here's a kid at 7 and the thing i love is like if you saw somebody you take some of the phrases out of there and would you want yeah. to hire somebody that saw no boundaries right is not that's right and, and 
isn't able to harness the con- constant energy being discharged observed in young children. Like he had so much energy. Like here's a, here's somebody that as an adult you would say, I want somebody that, that you know, isn't pushed mm-hmm. in by boundaries, that is constantly looking at and, and trying to figure out how things are going. And, and yet as a child he was basically seen as ADHD. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. but it was just, and, and yet he's gone on to be very successful and he, you know, he's, he's had this company that was just bought by Google for $10 million. But, and it's an interesting, like you go and read his about page, uh, and it's, it's a fascinating story and it's a great blog post because the blog post is, you know, it's let's fix boring schools and it's not always the kids, you know, sometimes the yeah. schools are just not engaging to what kids need today. So it's a great blog post. Oh I, I totally, uh, I encourage you to read it. Uh, it's just a, a really good read. So those are my two shares for this week. And I'll put those awesome. in the chats and I'll send those on to you in our Skype uh, for that. So what's up yeah. for the holidays? Well, we're heading to Fez and uh, north up towards the Mediterranean coast and spend about uh, a couple of weeks doing that. Uh, I'm kind of joking but not joking. Each morning I'll be up um, – all of my seniors had to do what's called an internal assessment in IB. It's a, it's a small paper, research yeah. paper. But I had they all uh, had to do it in Google Docs like we were talking on the last show. Right. So I will, I've got my cellular modem, and I will be each morning getting up early and trying to do a, you know, a few every morning, get through the holiday and give them feedback. It's their rough draft. And as a, an assessor, I'm allowed to give them some feedback and then they work on it for another month and then turn it in as a final thing. So a little mixture of uh, fun and technology and work. So that's what I'm up to. What are you up to? We are headed back to Seattle. Uh, it'll be the oh. first time we've gone back home over Christmas in, in our eight years of being overseas. So, uh, so oh. we're, we're really excited for that. And the main reason we're going back is we bought a condo in downtown Seattle back in November. Oh, yeah. And uh, so we've never even – like we have not been in this this place that we bought. So we're really excited just to go and and be in our place. And what I think I'm most excited about is for the first time in eight years, I'll actually get to unpack a suitcase uh, while I'm in the States because we just never do. You know, we're constantly <laughs> moving around. We don't have any place to call ours, and we just bounce off of our friend, off our friends and family, stay on couches, you know, bum beds, whatever we can uh, for the last eight summers. So we're both really excited that we have a place to go to, a place that's ours. It's completely torn apart. We're gutting the whole thing. So there's no carpet, no flooring. It's just a cement oh. floor. Um, only one toilet works at this time. <laughs> so, But you know what? We'll um, – so we're going to spend our time fixing it up and just enjoying living in downtown Seattle for a while. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what we're doing this break. So it should be good. And oh, excellent. Our, our next show. We, we, I've just got to go through them, and I'll, I'll send you an email and see which ones uh, you're interested in as well. And then we'll line up some guests. I think, like I just said, January 31st, because you, you have some uh, consulting to do in January. Yep, I have some. Oh, well, I, I'm not sure yet. Not everything's confirmed. I'm still trying to get to Angola. If I ever get to Angola, oh. that will be good. I've been trying oh. to get to Angola to do a consultancy since August, and uh, I've been denied three times. It, it is the story. My passport would be first class round trip ticket at this point. Um, mm. But so I might, I might be doing that in either January or February. So I, I don't know yet. Okay. But uh, yeah, that's one of those stories of overseas that you know you you just laugh at and roll with the punches. Yes. So okay, well, 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 we'll um, We'll announce some dates then in January once we yeah. get some, some essential questions yeah. put up. So that sounds good. 
Excellent. All right. Well, happy holidays to to you and and uh, your wife. There, you guys have a great time, and I am excited for you as a baseball guy. I've come later in life that you are just so close to that baseball stadium. I know the season's over, but that's got to make you feel good. Oh yeah, I'm so ready for this summer. I can walk 25 mm-hmm. minutes to Safeco Field. That's my summer. That's my summer. So. Awesome. All right, David, it's great as always. Happy holidays to everybody out there. Until next time, sometime in January, we'll let you know when you're shifting those schools. All right, sir? Oh, I was fearful it wasn't going to come together.